This podcast is brought to you by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Exam Prep Program. The TSM NCA Prep Program offers internationally trained lawyers courses taught by practicing lawyers in Canada, expertly designed study guides, exclusive networking opportunities with top Canadian law firms, and employability sessions arming you with all the tools you need in order to hit the ground running in your pursuit to practicing law in Canada. To find out more about the program, you can email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is episode 17 of our National Committee on Accreditation Journey series. Our 17th guest is Dr. Kara Mitchellmore. Dr. Mitchellmore holds a doctorate in business administration from Athabasca University is a fellow of the Chartered Professional Accountants and the Certified Management Accountants, and is a Certified Marketing and Research Professional. She spent eight years with Certified Management Accountants Alberta, including four years as President and CEO. Most recently, Kara was the CEO of the Marketing Research and Intelligence Association, MRIA. She also has a decade of experience as an instructor, including time spent at CMA Alberta, Mount Royal University, and Bow Valley College. Kara is outstanding at moving projects forward, and as a leader and educator, she describes herself as output-based and inspires and equips her team to excel in that regard as well. Hi, Kara. Hi. Hi, yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so, I mean, I've spoken to a fair number of internationally trained lawyers, and this podcast was started because there have been so many people out there who are navigating the accreditation process who um, just aren't quite sure of some of the particulars involved in the journey, be Mm -hmm. that, you know, what's the immigration pathway, or what are the NCA exams, how do I study, Um, how do I get a job, what is networking, how is it possible to network when you're not even in the country? A lot of questions that people have that can sometimes, I've found, put them off. Um, And so the podcast is aimed at just having, allowing people to learn from each other, you know, Um, and through that, I've learned quite a bit, Um, namely, that I'm reasonably well proficient now with the Ontario bar and and lawyer licensing process, Uh, somewhat familiar with the British Columbia one, um, but less familiar. And I think I may speak for, you know, a number of listeners who are less familiar with the CPLED organization that you are the CEO of. Um, And so I guess to introduce you, Kara, it would be really great if you could first tell us a little bit about yourself and and the role and the position that you have within CPLED and then maybe a little bit about what CPLED is. Sure, uh, more than happy to. So um, a little bit about myself. I have worked the majority of my 
professional career as a change agent. I'm typically brought into organizations that are facing evolutionary change um, where there is some long-term legacy, if you will. Mm -hmm. So long-term legacy uh, really is that identity that organizations or individuals uh, attach to a certain process or a certain certain organization. And actually, that's what my doctorate is in. I have a doctorate in business administration, but I focus on change management. Mm -hmm. So in my role, uh, prior to being with CPLED, I was uh, the CEO of the Marketing Research and Intelligence Association of Canada. Um, and then before that, I was the CEO of the Certified Management Accounts of Alberta. Hmm. So I was the CEO while they were going through not only the unification of the accounting profession, mm -hmm. but I was also the chair uh, from the CMA side, if you will, to overseeing the development of the the new, well, I guess it's not new now, but back then, what mm. was the new, the new uh, examination process for all uh, CPAs coming through the program. Mm -hmm. So uh, tons of knowledge in that area and in education. So I've taught at the, at the university level and the college level. And, and one of the things that I did that, that really does pertain to internationally trained students and professionals is I taught uh, business courses for English as a second language immigrants. Mm. So did a lot of uh, teaching in that regard in my, the early parts of my career. And that always kind of stuck with me as to the additional hurdles mm -hmm. that these students face when they come to Canada. Um, that, you know, we, we invite them to Canada and, and uh, we ask them to come and help us build this country. And then they're just faced with a lot of hurdles that we aren't faced with. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that's really a passion of mine is to make sure that there is an equal playing field. Uh, CPLED has been in existence since 2003. Uh, it is uh, the, not, it's a nonprofit organization and we provide the training that is needed before you can be called to the bars for Alberta, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, and Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. So um, we deliver that bar mission program and in that program, their students are required to obtain either a Canadian common law degree or a certificate of qualification from the Federation of Law Societies. And then from there, they would complete whatever their jurisdiction's articling requirement is, because, of course, we do not have a national uh, approach to articling. Mm -hmm. And then complete our program, which is the Practice Readiness Education Program or PrEP. So I was brought in in 2018 because the the course had likely or her, sorry had been largely untouched since it was released in 2005. So in two, you know and when it was released it was seen as you know this was groundbreaking this mm -hmm. what was released but you know it didn't evolve. Mm -hmm. So I was brought in to completely revamp this course uh, and revamp the process for uh, 2020. So, you know, within approximately 18 months, we went from concept to delivery. Wow. Interesting. And so um, you did mention that you had some experience in teaching mm -hmm. um, business to international professionals or students who for them, English is a second language. And mm -hmm. you realize how important that is. And I think in my experiences now with in working with internationally trained lawyers, 
it is something that is really important. Um, and we can get into a little bit about what kind of work you'll be doing with the NCA on that particular matter, um, you know, legal communication. Um, but I think it, it's something that is often lost in the shuffle. You know, in my experience speaking with internationally trained lawyers, a lot of them are really um, focused on the NCA exams and how to pass those exams. And then, you know, if they're, if they're successful, then the relevant bar exam. Um, but really um, the communication skills that are required to be um, successful professionals in Canada, like you said, sometimes they're kind of left to figure that out. And so it sounds like um, <clears throat> CPLED does that. And I'm wondering, um, you know, like on your website, the, the competency framework, you have mm -hmm. law lawyer skills, um, practice in self-management and professional ethics and characters. Wondering if you could walk me through what what are lawyer skills like? How how does CPLED prepare individuals for practice? Well, you know, I mean, one of the things I did when I came into this role was I'm not a lawyer by trade, and so I went out and I wanted to talk to everybody and anybody who would talk to me as part of my research to figure out what needed to change within the program mm -hmm. and one of the things that we did was we went out i went out to all of the law societies across the country in particular to the practice advisors and i asked where do you see the most complaints in the first five years mm -hmm. um out of call and you know 95 percent or more was not in substantive law yeah. these these new call lawyers they know the law and they've been tested yeah over and over and over again on the law, either from the law school they went to in Canada or by writing the, you know, the NCA exams through mm -hmm. the Federation. They know the law. It's in all of those skills, like that they got the complaints. So it being able to manage their time, being able to bill properly, being mm -hmm. able to communicate effectively, being able to take a file from initiation to finalization. Mm -hmm. You know, we built this program based on the following scenario which is a very real scenario mm -hmm. that the student goes through the articling process, does not get hired back by the organization, get call, gets called to the bar in their jurisdiction and goes out and goes on their own. What is it that they need to know how to do mm -hmm. to best protect the public? Cause that's our main customer, if you will, are the law societies and their mandate is to protect the public trust. Yeah. Right. So we had, you know, so we were really given that mandate to say, OK, build a program that if someone went out and did their own, they have exposure to this. Mm -hmm. And what we found was, you know, depending on where your article, you don't get to take a, a file from beginning to end. Right. You might get a piece of a file, mm -hmm. you know, and then you pass it off. Or if you're with a larger firm, you don't do any practice management entries. You don't mm -hmm. entry, you know, like you have a practice management division. Yeah. That does all of that and handles the scheduling and the billing and everything of that nature. And, and so, you know, those skills are really, we, we don't focus on substantive law in this program. Now that's not to say that they, that students don't have to apply substantive law. Of course they do, but we're not teaching it. Right. You've shown, you've already been tested. We're not going to test you on that. So what we're going to do is take that. So what we do is we take that theoretical learning, which is very important. Mm -hmm. And we start to put it into an experiential model, right? Right. So, you know, so that in our program, yeah, you're going to have to take 
uh, files from beginning to end. You're going to have to interview clients. You're going to have, you know, you have to uh, enter conflict of interest and you have to enter your billable time and you have, you know, and all of those aspects so that at the end you have a much more well-rounded individual who understands the importance of the skills that are needed to take that knowledge that they have and be able to apply it and be effective. Right. Right. So I'll go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to I was just going to say you were you were sort of describing somebody who may have been let go um, at, or not not hired on after their articling period was was completed. And I think just to tie it into internationally trained lawyers, again, a lot of them desperately see, seek exemption or abridgment from articling. Mm-hmm. And so there are um, those who. I've and, and the ones I've spoken to on the podcast all really, really vehemently say how necessary actual experience and experiential learning is to mm-hmm. successful practice. But it I would imagine that your program is extra, extra important for those individuals who do have their articling exempted so that they don't, you know, like, can you imagine mm-hmm. coming to an entirely new jurisdiction and having no practice experience? Um, so uh, do you have experience working with people like that? Well, we, you know, we had, uh, even in our pilot, we had a student who had applied for an abridgment Mm -hmm. uh, and was granted the abridgment and decided to complete the CFLED program anyways, for exactly those reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so, you know, for what we do have right now is we do have some, some foreign trained professionals who they come in and their jury because it's completely jurisdictional and up to the law societies but we do have the losses some law societies that will that are putting them in to write our um or to take part in our end evaluation mm-hmm. so that they have to show entry-level competence at the end evaluation but they don't go through the entire program right and that really depends on the jurisdiction so some jurisdictions will say no you've got to do the whole program and some jurisdictions will say okay you can challenge the end evaluation Mm-hmm. And and if you can show that you're entry level competent on the end evaluation, then that's that's sufficient. Right. Understood. Very interesting. And and, and um, <clears throat> have you? I was speaking to Deborah Wolf um, mm-hmm. in episode eleven of the podcast, and she had made mention that um, the NCA is making a determination that they're going to try to move more towards. Um, what was the phrase that she used? Um, I forget the phrase that she used, but she had Mm. mentioned that she'd like to make mandatory a legal research and writing course. And, and she mentioned you and she mentioned your organization in one that they're working with in order to develop this course. And I was wondering Mm. uh, if you could speak a little bit to that and why that might be so important for internationally trained lawyers who are new to Canada and who may have English as a second language. For sure. I mean, you know, what, what we see and what we see consistently is that um, written communication amongst all of our students. If you ask anyone who's been involved in in the education component for the last, let's say, five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. they'll tell you that it's weaker. Right. Uh, It's weaker than it five years ago. It's weaker than it was 10 years ago. And and uh, and so we knew that we had to do something to address this. But what we did find is that in particular, 
um, are not all, and you know, th this is not an all broad brushstroke approach. Uh, not all of our foreign trained uh, students have issues with written and oral communications, but a lot do. Mm -hmm. And in particular, in, in written communications. And so we knew that we wanted to do something that would give some additional supports, um, potentially at an earlier stage than when they come into our program. Because if they come into our program, you know, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Right. So there, you know, there's no time to do any remedial work or any additional support work. And what we found was uh, really, really important at that stage that students get actual feedback, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just a, here's your mark and that's it. It's, you know, we really, our entire program is a practice perform basis, right? Okay. So we want students to have that uh, opportunity to practice. So we went to the Federation and we said, you know, Let's pilot this, uh, this course, this legal research and writing course. Basically what it is, is we take two of our modules from our existing course, our foundational modules that uh, students go through, which is um, research gathering and case, uh, case management mm -hmm. and uh, legal research and writing. So they go through those courses, um, which are online and um, they, you know, and then they have to complete a, a quiz at the end of the course, and then they're given an assign. They're given an assignment. So they're given an assignment that they have to do. That is assessed by a qualified assessor who gives them feedback. Mm. Then they use that feedback and get another assignment. Mm. So they've gotten the feedback, and now they get a, a second assignment to see, you know, to show can you apply that feedback? Right. Right. So that really, you know, allows them to see that putting that feedback to work will help them moving forward. Mm. And we have the same, you know, we have the same process within our program and that each of our students who are in our virtual law firm are assessed are, um, are assigned a practice manager. Mm -hmm. And that practice manager, while they're in the virtual law firm, provides them feedback throughout the process. Right. So that they're, you know, so it's not just, you know, the, just giving someone a grade or an assessment without feedback is not effective. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, it's not effective. No, yeah. You have to give them feedback and you have to give them the opportunity to, to absorb it to and then apply it. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, so with the LRW, uh, they have that opportunity then. And for any students that come into one of our jurisdictions, because the LRW is open to anyone mm -hmm. um, from any jurisdiction. But if they come from one of our jurisdictions and then they enroll in prep, well, then they don't have to do those two modules right. in the foundation. Yeah. And I think um, it's worthwhile, like saying, you know, people may be listening and say, well, what has this got to do with me? I'm, I want to practice in Ontario. And I'll just bring it back again to my conversation with Deborah Wolf, who, who said, you know, this is coming. This is going to be a mandatory 
yeah. course, um, and they're going to move more towards competency-based evaluations. That's yes. that's what I was searching for before. Yeah. Uh, and so it's so important, right, to to start um, to, and I, I mean, sorry, I cut you off there, but also oh, no. you just had the course, um, was it run successfully in from August to October? And I wonder how that went, you know, how-, how Yeah, that- well, I mean, you know, we had run it beforehand. And, and just to go back for, you know, for those from Ontario, they're thinking, what does this have to do for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's more important for you. Yeah. It's more important for the students who do not get the exposure through prep uh-huh. to do this, right? Mm-hmm. They Like if you're in Ontario and, and I'm, I don't talk bad about any law society or whatever they choose <laughs> to do, but you're writing exams and that's it, mm-hmm. right? So you don't get that opportunity to have that feedback and to have that practice, you know, that practice perform that you do if you're in one of my jurisdictions. Mm-hmm you're just going to be sent out on your own. So for me, in my opinion, as an educator, it's more important for Ontario students to get involved in this process. Right. Yeah. Foreign train. Yeah. Because they're not going to get it anywhere else. And it is so important. Like you, you were sort of canvassing this, the law societies in Canada and asking what some major pitfalls were from like, mm-hmm. you know, one to five years post call. And if it's communication and, you know, that communication is like the most important written and verbal, the most important quality or asset that a lawyer has. And if there's, you know, if there's any way that you can hone those skills or improve them, it sounds like a great opportunity to do so. I think it's really important. I do think it's really important. And and it's one of those, it's one of those things that when you're talking, when a lawyer is talking about the professional development, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we we all know that we, you know, they have to take control of their own professional development, but you really, you want to make sure that you're starting off on the right foot. And so mm-hmm. from a written and oral communication perspective, I think, I think that this course offers a lot of value for, and in particular, I think it offers value for people who aren't going to get exposure anywhere else. We did run the course from August to October, uh, but we also ran a pilot before then. Mm-hmm. So we ran a pilot with the Federation uh, in the spring, um, which came out with great feedback from the students. Everyone thought that it was very worthwhile, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that they learned a lot from it. Our, my pilots are just finishing up. So that uh, or sorry, not my pilots, but my first go live. And I think we have 40 students wow. uh, in their first go live and they're just finishing up. And so uh, um, the other thing that we do is we feedback everything. So we right. ask for feedback from our students for everything. And, and uh, we're very serious about using that feedback to make the course better. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we ask for feedback, we're not asking for feedback to, to get a pat on the back. And this is oh so great. It's great if it is. But, you know, I mean, we're looking at something that will continually evolve. Mm-hmm. Right. Course. So and so. Uh, I haven't seen the feedback from the fall intake, but I'll be very interested to see it. But everyone who's been involved with the process and involved with the course so far has had very positive things to say. Mm -hmm. And they've all come out with, you know, with learning something. And that's all that you can strive for when you're putting together any kind of course or support. Right. And um, I'm curious, <laughs> just, just, it just came to me now. Um, you mentioned that the, 
the legal research and writing courses available to individuals across the country, regardless of the jurisdiction they're looking to practice in. Um, and, and that it's, it's highly recommended. And I, I would agree with that. I'm wondering, like you, you, you mentioned the Law Society of Ontario and effectively mm-hmm. what it is, is a bar exam mm-hmm. and articling or the LPP program with Ryerson. Um, but after that, that's mm-hmm. it, right? So do Ontario students have an ability to take the whole CPLED course and curriculum, or is it only for those who are looking to practice in the jurisdictions that we mentioned earlier? Well, you know, that's where I have to wear different hats. Mm. Um, From a skills perspective, I think that it's a hugely beneficial Mm -hmm. program for any lawyer. But if you're not from a jurisdiction, it doesn't meet the requirements of your jurisdiction. So you'd have to do it in addition to. Right. Right. So, you know, if you're from Ontario, you're still going to have to write those exams or go to Ryerson. Well, even if you go to Ryerson, you still have to write the exams. Yep. Yeah. Right. So um, and the you know, and the other issue is if you're not in one of our jurisdictions, then you don't receive any subsidy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we talk about the cost of the program, um, the cost to run the program per student is sixty one hundred dollars. Right. Uh, but that's not what the students pay. Because within each jurisdiction, uh, the law societies will subsidize, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, in Alberta this year, the tuition for the students was twenty five hundred dollars. Wow! Yeah. Which and and you know, for a program that is a year long, that is, you know, really we're winning awards for mm-hmm. uh, innovation and multimedia experience. And we were able to turn around on the COVID issue and, and move all of our elements that were face-to-face into online mm-hmm. um, and pilot that before we launched it with everyone. Um, even 6,100, in my humble opinion, is a bargain. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. Well, well, when you look at the cost of what the Ryerson program is, or you look at the cost sure. of, you know, um, of what law school is mm-hmm. on a given year um you know sixty one hundred dollars is uh is lower but i understand completely the economic issues that are facing mm-hmm. all of our students uh which are compounded for many of our foreign trained mm-hmm. and so you know to shell out an extra sixty one hundred dollars for a course that isn't gonna help you get called to the bar, which is what everybody's main concern is, um, doesn't seem like a wise investment at the time. Mm. Right. So because, um, but from a practical skills perspective, I would say it's a huge, it's, it's a huge advantage. Mm, yeah, no, I, I just like, that's why I came to mind. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through the website as we're talking and I'm listening to you and it sounds really great. <laughs> like, cause mm-hmm. I'm, Often you you think, I mean, at least I do, and I'm sure others do. I mean, some internationally trained lawyers come with practice experience. Others don't. And the whole, the concept of being a lawyer and what does that mean Monday to Friday um, is sort of lost on you. Like you don't really know what's involved. You know, you know people say the word billables, but what does that mean exactly? And how do you keep track? And so I, I think it's really valuable. And like you said, you don't necessarily learn all of that 
in articling because, you know, if you're in a big firm, you may get lost in the shuffle. Or mm -hmm. if you're in a small firm, your principal has got things to do, you know? Yes, yes that's <laughs> and, true. And you, you're, and, you know, you're learning as you go and it's a really hectic environment and sometimes you may not pick up on everything. So um, I, I'm sort of a little bit surprised now that I'm learning more about this, that it's not available or in, in a different form in every mm -hmm. province, you know, to help mm -hmm. people candidates towards the bar but who knows maybe that day is coming as you continue to do well and you know well you know we'll see i mean i i and to lso's credit to the law society of ontario ryerson is a sol solid program yeah there's mm -hmm. no question that ryerson is a solid program mm -hmm. um you know i think that when i look at it you know i i look at it as yeah i mean if everyone was to take the ryerson program in Ontario, I think that you would have much better prepared lawyers right. because it does have it does um, teach those those skills. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it hasn't gotten. I don't know that it's gotten the uptick that they were hopeful that it would get. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's you know that's a multitude of reasons. I think that that's you know who has time to do a full time program, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're working, mm -hmm. um, which most are um because they have families and they have uh, expenses they have to meet and you know that and price point so i mean it's i think it's it's a it's an interesting opportunity for cpled but we have a lot i think of um hesitant interest across the country but they're waiting to see how we do right <laughs> yeah of course yeah. you have to <laughs> right? you have to prove your worth first and prove nobody the wants the model year of the car yeah, exactly. Nobody. Exactly. Let's that's right. No, that's true. So very, very interesting. And I know, like I said um, at the beginning, we have, uh, you know, I spoke to De Deborah again about mm. numbers and, and there are, you know, there were 4,500 students who registered for August NCA exams, yeah. um, oh, about 3,000 students who applied for assessment in 2019. Um, I, I mean, I, I assume there may be a dip this year, but but they're coming, you know, mm -hmm. internationally trained lawyers like myself, um, they're they're coming. And I think um, there is the real benefit in in taking them through a program like this, a structured program to get them used to the Canadian legal climate um, and what's expected of them. Right. Uh, I agree. I would even take it one step further. One of the components that we have in our program is answers to the TRC. Mm -hmm. So the Truth and Reconciliation right. uh, Commission, and I think that, you know, and we built that into our, our virtual law firm where, you know, in our criminal rotation, we use an Indigenous client. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, from our pilots, and we were able to do two pilots, which was very fortunate for us. I, I would say that the feedback that we got in particular from our foreign trained was, you know, they didn't get exposure to this. Mm -hmm. You know, they, whereas students in their, you know, in Canadian law schools are getting exposure to this because they, the law schools have been mandated to cover this material. Right. You have, you know, in, within the federal, um, not the federation, within the foreign trained environment, they don't have any exposure to this. No. Yeah. They, and it's, it's <laughs> the only exposure they may have is if they come across it in a textbook, but, but to be mm -hmm. actively involved in, in, um, a situation like that would be really, really useful because it happens in practice. And, and I think um, that's the benefit of the program. You know, <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. great. that's great. Uh, well, I, um, 
We spoke a little bit about what the future is, and I think, as I understand it right now, CPLED and you and you know the organization you're running is looking to um, shore up what you've what you've managed to build in 18 mm-hmm. months of time, right? And to take the feedback from the students and to implement feed, you know useful feedback back into the program to make it as best as it can be, but you know, um, in terms of what it looks like in the future and, and how how it's adapted by perhaps other law societies in the in the country is yet to be seen. I think that, you know, yeah, this year is really about scaling, right? So mm. it's, it's, you know, the first, this is a $3 million project. Right. And so, you know, the ability to be able to pilot it twice was, um, really invaluable for us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and but there's a big difference between piloting it with 30 students Mm -hmm. and now delivering it to 800 right of course so um you know i mean the example i give is just in the number of people we had to recruit to be assessors and practice managers and simulated clients you know is over 300 people right and they all have to be trained and you know and, and moving and uh and uh, that that's a long process. <laughs> and so I think that this year is really about learning, you know, because we learn from the pilots, but now it's like, okay, now let's learn from what's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, putting all this forward. Like next week we have 300 students across the country in their face-to-face workshops. Right. They're, they're all going to be online at the same time. And we haven't had that issue before. So really this year is about not only scaling, Mm-hmm. But also taking a look at some of, you know, our, of the learnings, both from an administration perspective, how do we streamline that from a mm-hmm. customer service perspective, and just really honing in on that mm-hmm. um, to fine tune the product. The product will never be complete. Can't right. be. Mm-hmm. It's got to change. Sure. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't. Uh, throw some varnish on it and just say it's done. That's what, you know, I mean, that's why we had to invest $3 million because that's what was done before. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's now it's about continuous improvement uh, and engagement. And, you know, once we have that and that's the mindset, then I think then we look out to say, okay, what are some of the additional supports that we can give in particular for foreign trained? I mean, we want to give supports to everyone. We don't mm-hmm. want anyone to be disadvantaged, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, CPA has done some work on, on giving some you know, additional resource. So we have a legal research and writing course. We have mm-hmm. a student advisor. Our student advisor works with um, those who don't have an article. Um, to try to help them with their resumes and network. What does networking mean and what their resources are? So we have that in place. We have a resume repository that's open to anyone in our jurisdictions who is looking for a summer role or an articling role Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that we can work with them uh, to make sure that they've got some supports. And so, you know, when we talk about that, you know, through the June 2020 intake, for example, we had 152 NCA students enroll. That makes up 18% of our, our markup. Wow. And of those 152, 77 did not have articles. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So really it's about, okay, we need to offer those supports and they're offered to everyone, but it is something that foreign trained professionals can take advantage of as well. Right. Yeah, that's great. Amazing. I, I hope that individuals, particularly those individuals who are um, interested in practicing in um, in the jurisdictions that CPLED covers, 
like Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Nova Scotia. Um, I hope that they've learned a lot. And and for everybody who listens who who isn't sure of whether or not they're, they're or isn't comfortable perhaps with their own legal research and writing communication skills, you know, that this this course within CPLED is available to everybody. Um, and I just looked on the website, it looks reasonably priced, uh, carat 375 Canadian dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, that that's not too expensive, just a little bit more expensive than an NCA exam. And, yeah. um, you know, more than likely something that is is going to carry carry you through and help you in in those first couple of years of practice, which can be quite daunting. So, a, a great conversation, Kara. Really appreciate it. I'm I'm wondering if we could close just on one question that I have, um, and I'm gonna I suppose I'll throw it as a hypothetical. Um, there are people listening who will say three hundred and seventy five dollars is too much. I can't do that. Um, But I'm interested in what you're saying, because, you know, if we're getting feedback and it's a successful course and the NCA will be mandating it um, in the not too distant future, um, there must be a need. You know, obviously people are identifying this as an issue. So how can somebody uh, improve <laughs> their legal research and writing if they don't take a course. Is that possible? Or do you think really, like we mentioned before, the feedback and mm-hmm. and the supervision is something that really is invaluable? Well, that's a good question. I think that if, if someone is in an opportunity where they have a supportive uh, principal mm-hmm. and they're open to constructive feedback, then I think that that could work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the issues that we struggle with is that um, not all principles are created equal mm-hmm. and uh, you don't necessarily have that opportunity to get that feedback. So if a student is in a position where they can, uh, I think that um, as long as they're open to that mm-hmm. constructive feedback, um, then they can do quite well. I also would encourage everyone to um to go out to their local uh, CBA mm-hmm. uh, and see what they have available because they could have anything from some free online sources or maybe they've got a group, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of subgroups that they could probably tap into mm. uh, that could help them. I don't know how structured that would be and and uh, I, I'm not quite sure how that would work, but I think you know one of the things is if, you know, if someone's bulking at the price, then they've got to do their research. And right. they've got, you know, they, they've, if, if they're saying, oh, well, I can't afford to take this, but I know I need this skill. Yeah. Then I think that they need to do the research to find out what are the other tools that are available in the industry for me. Yeah. And, uh, I, and, and I think the CBA would be a great starting point. I also think global lawyers would have some great connections. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Global Lawyers of Canada mm-hmm. is, a, is a great organization who, um, you know, I've interviewed a few of their members and things like that. So uh, 100%. I think what I'm gleaning from this is that um, this is becoming more than just merely a suggestion to mm-hmm. improve or hone in on communication, verbal and written and research. Um, it's becoming something that you can't, you shouldn't, if you want, if you're, if you're looking to be successful in the best way that you can be, you couldn't, you shouldn't just ignore this, right? Like it's something mm-hmm. that, that can really help you. And it's not like, Oh, I don't need that. Um, in fact, it's, it's looking like, 
a lot of key stakeholders within the profession, you know, nationwide are suggesting that this is a need and mm-hmm. it, it is important. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Kara, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Um, and I hope that the listeners managed to learn a lot. I know I did. I didn't know much about CPLED, to be honest with you, coming here from Ontario here. But um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like a really great program. And um, definitely invite everybody to to visit the website that I'll put in the description of this podcast. Thank you, Kara. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. That does it for episode 17 of Shot of Life. I'd like to thank Dr. Mitchell Moore for taking some time out of her busy day to speak with us. Um, not only busy day, but probably busy month and busy year um, for that matter. Uh, I didn't know much about CPLED prior to this conversation. I don't know how many of our listeners do, but I do hope, like me, you manage to learn a little bit more about Tibar um, requirements for Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Nova Scotia. And also, I think it kind of furthers a bit of a point that we've been touching on recently with, you know, with with Deborah Wolf from the NCA, with Angela Sorty, who's the recruiting director at BLG. The um, need for everybody really to have more of a focus on mastering those soft skills that we talked about. That's legal communication, legal research, legal writing. Uh, it's going to become mandatory through the NCA in a, in a couple of years. I think the course that Dr. Mitchell Moore had mentioned um, that's available on the CPLED website is something for you to consider if you're looking at um, honing those skills and creating a bit of a better brand for yourself, upgrading some of the skills anyway. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this podcast and I hope you're able to learn a little bit more about CPLED and what they do. Until next time, we'll speak again. <music>